0: you're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Good evening, Michael. Hello, Andre. How are you doing today?
1: I'm all right. How was your dinner?
0: It was very good. Thank you very much for offering me a gift certificate to the Mandarin as a way to console me for the fact that my house nearly burned down, which it, everyone now knows.
1: And you, you know, the, uh, the interesting part about where you live is that uh, you are uh, uphill when you go to the Mandarin and then obviously downhill when you come back, which is the best of all worlds because you can roll home.
0: Yeah, that, that is the joke that we made. I'll tell you what, though. I'm going to give a shout out to Mandarin in this podcast because they serve VQA wine. Oh really? They had uh, the house company, house wine company, which is Henry of Pelham, the yeah. red and the white. They had a Jackson Triggs wine there as well, and they have them proudly displayed at the front, right by the bar when you walk in. So not only uh, is that what's on their wine list, but the wines are affordable. I like those wines. I mean, I'm certainly not going to say that they're the the greatest wines in the province, but uh, they're definitely a good flag bearer for entry-level Ontario wines, so shout out to the Mandarin for serving VQA wines.
1: Well, there you go. Look at you. You're always looking for restaurants that do that, and uh, of all places to do it, I guess. Yeah. People always say Chinese places, Mexican places, they won't do it because the wines don't go. Obviously, you've just disproved that theory in, in one instance.
0: Well, and I've always sort of had the the question, because it it does kind of drive me nuts that there's a lot of, like, I like all-you-can-eat sushi places. I do like going for sushi, but unless you're going to a fairly high-end place, the drinks menu always feels like an afterthought. I mean, most of the all-you-can-eat sushi places in Toronto, you'll see Yellowtail and a couple of token wines on the list for people who really want to have a drink. But there's really no incentive to even buy a beverage when you go to these places. And I, I feel like as a consumer, it's a lost opportunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. So I believe uh, this evening you want to talk about an event that we attended together. Oh, yeah. You don't always get a chance to attend events together.
0: No. Well, I mean, we didn't really do this event together. Like, it was so crammed busy this year, which was kind of nice to see how popular the event has gone. But we're talking about Cuvee.
1: Yeah, we are talking about Cuvee tonight. And uh, we would bump into each other on occasion through the room.
0: And we tried really hard because we bought better equipment to like try to do the interview thing like we did last year. But I mean, last year there was just a little bit more breathing room in the room. And I'll be honest, this isn't this isn't a negative criticism. It's just like it was a it was a busy event. It was buzzing.
1: Yeah, there was definitely a, a lot of buzz and uh, there was a lot of wine as usual. I believe we were just under a hundred this year. Yep. And um yeah, it was. Uh, it was a. Lot, it was a lot of fun. I, I. I like tasting, and it's it's nice to get back to Ontario wines. It's nice to taste, uh, the Ontario stuff again. It's been a while since I've had a good solid
0: course after doing your like uh, eight month sabbatical.
1: Yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. So. um... The food is always good. I yes. saw a lot of uh, interesting things, but I never get a chance to eat anything at Cuvée. Did you get a chance to to bite into anything good?
0: Uh, actually, the um, the Scotiabank Convention Centre restaurant had their table set up at the far end of the room. And they were serving a plate that had uh, some homemade miso that they were making there. Miso's fermented uh, soybeans. And it was just, like, the perfect blend of uh, salty and sweet. And, I mean, the, the room just looked great with all the restaurants there. It's uh, I mean, it's always nice to see that.
1: And they were mostly on the outside uh, this year instead of uh, uh, on the inside. So they weren't uh, competing with uh, wine aromas, let's say.
0: Yes. Yes. And, I mean, once again, if I have to give another small criticism to the event um, – I almost feel like you should put it on the the ticket because they do this at the Toronto Symphony to suggest people don't wear fragrance. Yep. Because uh, like I understand, this is a, a fancy affair. It's a dress up affair. But I mean, I understand it. When you're a woman and you're putting on like a beautiful gown and you're getting all dressed up, you want to wear a nice perfume to go with it. But those perfumes mess with the aromas and the flavors of the wine. And not just for yourself, but for the people around you. So I almost feel like maybe they should put a ticket on it and just suggest that the event go fragrance-free to make sure that people can really enjoy the wines. And I know that that sounds really pretentious and kind of douchey on my part, but there were a couple of times when I was at a table where it was just like, whoa, there is just a lot of perfume in this vicinity, and it's messing with the wine. I
1: thought it was you, Andre, but uh, obviously since you were smelling it too, then it wasn't.
0: So, yeah.
1: I thought you were wearing your Dracar Noir like you always do.
0: No, I usually just bathe in Chardonnay, but everyone who listens to this podcast should know that.
1: So, Andre, I also learned this evening that you are a big Maple Leafs fan. I had no idea you were that big. Uh,
0: listen, this is going to be the... That or you're just a douche
1: because my Canadians didn't make the playoffs and you're, no, it's your actually, Leafs will. So
0: here's the deal, here's the deal. I've been living in Toronto for 10 years now, and I've always always followed the Leafs close enough to be able to tease my dad who's a diehard Leafs fan and I mean I've always followed up on the politics who's being traded, what's what But I, I've... growing up in Saskatchewan you learn to live with disappointment but the management of the Saskatchewan Rough riders never abused the fans the way the Toronto Maple Leafs management has abused the fans for the past 50 years the Riders were always trying to get better when the team was bad you got one or two years before they'd clean house and try something new Maple Leafs have been stagnant pretty much since Matt Sundin was on the team. So I said that the moment they gave me a reason to cheer for them, I would do it. They have, and I just I also find it hilarious that it's an American from Phoenix who is like the savior of the team.
1: So, although I know you're in a in a a bad mood tonight because they lost to lowly Buffalo.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty pathetic.
1: So. Uh, let's, let's talk about some of the wines at Cuvée. And I know we haven't discussed our, our lists or our wines, uh, before this. Yes. So you want to do a top three, top five. What do you like this time?
0: You know, I don't even know if I can really go through like a, a, a top list. Um, actually, yeah, I can go through a top list. i kind of rock through the list, uh, kind of in no particular order. Yeah.
1: No uh, order, but your, your top what? Three or five. What do you like?
0: Uh, we'll go five ish. Five-ish, okay? You want to start with one? You know, I want to start with a varietal. Uh, I want to start with Viognier. Okay. Because there was the one table in the far room in the corner that had both Malivore and the Niagara College teaching winery sitting at it that were both serving outstanding Viogniers.
1: Yeah, Uh, I I would agree that uh, Viognier is, is coming into its own in Ontario, and I think there's some really great wine, great wines being made and those were two very distinct styles of Viognier
0: yeah the Malibor one was a little bit more restrained and muted something that was definitely begging to be paired with some food like I was thinking maybe like a baked fish or just something a little bit lighter so you can kind of let you know, something something not too heavily seasoned so you can kind of let the food do its thing, let the wine do its thing versus an Niagara College uh, version which was like it, it blew your face off with with a bouquet of, of field flowers the moment you got into the glass.
1: Flowers, tropical fruit, it was really lovely and uh, yeah, so I was, it was really interesting to see those two uh, so different yet so interesting I guess would be the way I'd put it.
0: Yeah but I mean definitely a, a case for adding some Viognier to the, the roll and hopefully we see some more planted see what some other people can do with it. I know uh, you and I both know Steve Byfield, and he does great things with Viognier with his uh, Narai Narai label. And it was disappointing that he was. Did you angry. want me to correct
1: you there? I thought you were doing. You did all right. You stumbled over that one, all right.
0: <laughs> I have a hard time with it. I want to say it phonetically.
1: So, so, my, um, you, you toss so move I'll I'll move on and do kind of the same thing and talk about uh, sparkling wine. There wasn't as much sparkling wine this year as I would have expected. Yes seeing as, you know, how, how much Ontario has embraced sparkling wine. I would have expected, I don't know, I thought there would be maybe ten, almost a dozen sparkling wines. I think in, in the end I counted a half dozen or so. Okay. And uh, the two uh, that I was just totally blown away by uh, was the first was the Fielding, uh, traditional method sparkling brute.
0: Yeah, that's outstanding.
1: based on 2014, but it is still non-vintage. Yep. And then just an old favorite seems to have come back into grace. You know, uh, Henry of Pelham's Rosé Brut is just so beautiful this time around. Not saying that it ever gets out of the beautiful, but there's some years just because of the base fruit that it's better than others. Yep. And I think this version is just
0: killer. Uh, I actually had a sparkling on my list as well, because I remember how last year we had Fielding that was sort of a showstopper with their Rosé. But the one that was a showstopper for me, and I I tasted it for the first time uh, a few months ago, is the Premier Cuvée from 13th Street. And uh, like I'll be honest, the 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 wines from Thirteenth Street, the sparkling wines from Thirteenth Street have been good, but this one was just like, oh my God, it was it was a showstopper.
1: I think I think uh, Thirteenth Street may be coming back uh, for sparkling uh, because, uh, in my opinion, I think they fall off, fell off the wagon, fall yep. off, fell off the wagon for a bit with uh, with some of their sparkling. But I think uh, they're re-getting the hang of it. Can you re-get the hang of it? Is that is that something you can do?
0: Well, they've just invested in a in a whole new facility there. Uh, I mean, uh, I recently tasted through the the portfolio, and I mean, you can read my notes at ca. But Thirteenth Street is coming back, and there's definitely reason to go check things out.
1: So, uh, so I I picked sparkling, and I got my two in there. You picked Viognier. You got anything else you want to really? give a give a shout out to
0: um I think one of my big surprises was the Chardonnay from Burning Kiln and I I think last year there was a lot of Chardonnay that made me really excited um you'll probably be proud of me Michael to know that this year there was some Chardonnay there but nothing that really blew my mind Really? Yeah. There was one that blew me out of the water. But go ahead. Tell me yours. The Chardonnay that blew my mind was the Burning Kiln uh, Kierman's Chardonnay. It was, it's twenty four ninety five, And it is the definition of like exceptional balance and, uh, you know, just a perfect use of oak and a lot of fruit on it as well. It's just something that, I, I mean, it's crushable. Like I could just see myself sitting there and crushing a bottle of it. Well, I've got one that's
1: not as crushable, but I loved the elegance of it. Mm. And it was the Icellars 2016. Mm. Did you try that?
0: I did. Sorry, I have to uh, actually eat, eat some words. That one was also a standout. To be fair, that was actually the first wine that I tasted in the evening, oh. which is maybe why it slipped my mind there. But, it I has mean, gotten sh- lost? Yeah. But I mean, compared to their, pre- their previous version of Chardonnay was really good. It was flinty, delicious, had some nice restrained orchard fruit, like apples. This is a little bit more of a typical Niagara Chardonnay, but I don't mean that it's it's typical compared to its its colleagues. It's... Really, really well made. With just, it's got a little bit more depth than previous versions, and I'm looking forward to picking some up to enjoy myself. Well,
1: what I what I what I liked about the iCellar ice is it it had balls, but it still had that Niagara finesse.
0: Yep, definitely. And it's
1: it's 16, so it's got lots of lovely fruit. Uh, they put it into large uh, large size barrels instead of the small barrique. Uh, so large, uh, size barrel. So you didn't get a, you got oak, but not overly oaked. It was just, it was beautifully balanced and Niagara acidity comes through. It was one of those Chardonnays that I, that I do like. Yeah. And I, I know there are a few and far between, but that one, yeah, I could, uh, I could sip on that one all night long. I think when you say crush, you just mean drinking bottle after bottle. That's the kind of the wine I thought the ice cellars is that you could, you know, just kind of contemplate the evening with
0: yeah definitely so now anything Uh, anything red send out to you michael
1: oh well i'm gonna i'm gonna start here with one of my highest scoring wines of the night uh which was the cassava reserve syrah 2015 holy shit that was good
0: so let me guess that would be okay would you score it four and a half Four and a half. Okay, so the Toronto Star writer is going to score that a 98 points.
1: 99.
0: Maybe 102.
1: <laughs> Just a matter of time, my friend.
0: Just a <laughs> matter of time. Um, the red wine of the night for me at the event was the uh, Trius Red Shale Cabernet Franc. That
1: was awesome. I've had that before. Uh, so I didn't go back and and taste it.
0: Yeah, I remember but, you tasted that like way before I did. Didn't share anything with me and had the nuts. I had nothing to had share. The nuts, I was at the winery. Had the nuts to text message me a photo of like, hey, look what I'm tasting. This is so good.
1: Did you did you, now staying in the Peller group though? Did you get a chance to try the Peller Estates uh, Andrew Peller Signature cap Front?
0: I did not. I'm guessing it's very oh. good as well. <laughs>
1: So fruit forward. That also tied the uh, the Casaba, for uh, four and a half stars. Matt, two, I, the, know, those are my two top reds of the night. They were just outstanding bottles of wine that uh, that really show what Ontario could do. And and uh, I was I, I kind of figured there would be one of those Cab Francs in the room. I was just not expecting uh, that Syrah.
0: Yeah, I mean there there's some there's definitely some real magic happening at at cassava right now. Um, Another one for me that was sort of an, an unusual, and uh, I'm not sure if you had a chance to taste this, but hopefully you get a chance to to get a hold of this, is the Peely Island Vine Dressers Meritage 2016.
1: Oh, I missed it. I, it was on my list, and I just totally missed it.
0: So, full disclosure on this one, I actually missed tasting it at the event, but was fortunate enough to have a bottle uh, sent to me for review, and I'm going to... Oh, that now that I right think now. about it, I did get one. Yeah, there you go. This is... Possibly the best red blend from Pelee Island I've ever tasted. Oh, wow. At $24.75, it is so underpriced. Like, this might be one of the best values for red wines in the province. Um, The fruit is so restrained on it. It's just got this depth, this meaty note, this smoky note. The tannin is so closed, but still really smooth. It's just like... uh, that's it that's my tasting note it's just stunned silence
1: oh i thought the uh was the tasting note no it's and just I, like, to I can't see how find how you wrote the words that i
0: can't find the words i can't find the words for this and it's, it's just like you and i we talk about price to price to value and like it's amazing to taste a lot of these wines and it's cool to be able to pick up a few of these at because a lot of these wines that we're pushing up on a north of 40 dollars or close to 40 dollars so to find something like that of that quality for 25 bucks is it's a really special wine
1: I found another value on the night, okay. and it um, it was it was it's under my value selection, and I was going to ask you if you had a value selection. Obviously, you've got one. Yeah, this is it. Mine from Cave Spring, 2015 Niagara Escarpment Cabernet Franc, 1795 general list. This wine had it all. Tobacco, cassis, long finish, smoky notes to it. It was just everything you'd want in a Cab Franc. With just a touch of elegance, and it was, and I couldn't believe one, that it was seventeen ninety five, and two, I understand that it is now the only Bordeaux varietal that Cave Springs is working with.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, is it even just a Bordeaux varietal at this point? It does so well in the cold. It's, I mean, the, there's a reason why well, Cab Franc belongs here.
1: Well, I mean, they they got rid of Cab Sauv. So, they've gotten rid of Merlot. Uh, I, I'm not sure it was totally all their choice. The weather seems to play a part, but, um, yeah, they've, they've gone all Cab Franc. And, uh, this wine, uh, is just at, at under $20. It's definitely a, a wine you've got to, you got to pick up by the bunch and bring them home to mama.
0: So. I mean, it's kind of, I actually like the fact that we did our tasting separate because we both came with completely different lists. But uh, this wouldn't be two guys talking wine if we didn't have a little bit of debate. I guess before we wrap up, one of my favorite parts of Cuvee is that there's wineries that use this as an opportunity to uh, announce their appearance. And uh, Lundy Manor and Fogler Wines both made quite the appearance there. And you and I have been going back and forth about the Cabernet Franc from Fogeler for the past couple days. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's been really interesting to hear how divisive the, the, the wine is because I've been talking to a few people whom I really respect and enjoy swapping tasting notes with. One of them being Mike DiCaro. And we both agree that the, um, the Cabernet Franc from this winery offers a really nice use of oak. Uh, and it, it does have quite a bit of oak on it i think your your concern is that it's too much oak right
1: i i now i also spoke to people that i respect and i will not throw names around just to uh save uh save the innocent uh but um i think the oak is just a little too much 18 months in in a year like that is uh is highly unnecessary I didn't say the wine is bad. Yes, I no, just, that's true. You were much more jazzed. Uh, thrilled with it
0: I, think than the word I was. I think you use is jazzed.
1: Jazzed. Let's go with your usual word, jazzed. It's <laughs>
0: not my word. It's uh, your word, you idiot.
1: <laughs> I use it when uh, when I want to make fun of you, and yes. <laughs> yes, you were you're very much jazzed by it. Uh, I'm just going through my notes here. Yes. In 2015, I don't I don't think 18 months was was necessary. Uh, I would invite people uh, to try this wine. It's, Absolutely, Fogler it's Wines 2015 Pecone Vineyard Cabernet Franc. Uh, you can pick it up at uh, DeProvio or go try it. I believe that's where uh, they are doing the yes, wine out it of. Yes, Yep. And uh, I'd love to hear people's opinion on it because uh, I thought on the back palate. It just showed too much oak, and I think in about five years, uh, it's going to be one of those uh, wines like we saw in 2002 and 2005 uh, that'll be, it'll the oak will overwhelm the fruit.
0: And see, in my opinion, granted, I don't have the amount of experience with aging wines that you do, so I will, I will admit that. But it just felt that. The use of oak really helped keep the uh, vegetal note from the Cabernet Franc in very nice restraint and and control, and uh, it it gave the wine just some nice layers and depth.
1: So you're you're admitting there's a vegetal note to the wine?
0: Uh there. Well, yeah, it's Cabernet Franc. I mean, even shouldn't
1: be shouldn't be there in fifteen. Shouldn't be there in fifteen.
0: It's it's just a, a characteristic of the varietal, Michael. There's lots of Cabernet Franc in 2015 that has a little bit of a vegetal <sighs> note.
1: Ah, uh, see, I, I get more tobacco notes. That's I don't veg- call no. it vegetal. vegetal. Vegetal, to me, reminds me of the the olden days where where everything was bell pepper, and everybody was so thrilled that everything tasted like bell pepper and smelled like bell pepper in their cab franc. That's, that's very Loire. That's not very Ontario.
0: Okay, but the thing is, even in a warm vintage, you'll still find some Cabernet Franc that has hints of that that red pepper, bell pepper note on it or things like uh, you're, when it gets you're really You're just hot. looking for it. No, I'm not looking for it. It's a characteristic of the varietal. Look, uh, there was a lot of great Cabernet Franc there. Yes. Uh, Frank from Megalomaniac.
1: Yes. That was a really good one. The best has no in note years. There. The best has uh, been in years. There was the 30 bench small lot Cabernet Franc. No vegetal note there. The red shale. No vegetal note there. Okay? They just just weren't there. Just weren't there.
0: Okay, Michael. All right. We uh, we I agree like...
1: to disagree yet again.
0: Cuz I'm right and you're wrong. No, you're never right. Um, I also liked the both Fogler and Lundy Manners Rieslings that they had. Uh, Did, they were both off dry, so there was a little bit of residual sugar in both of them, but still showed very nice restraint and uh, good control of acidity on them.
1: I stayed away from Riesling, and I had a, a discussion with, uh, with a few people there about Riesling, and it's surprising. You know, you and I have talked about Riesling on the podcast. We've tried old Rieslings a couple yep. times. Yep. Yeah. And we actually did a whole podcast on is riesling passe. Yep. And it's amazing how people are starting to say, you know what, that ship has sailed in Ontario. It's unbelievable how many people are now believing that, you know, we are now looking towards other things besides riesling. And it's. But it's, that being
0: said, riesling's still planted in the ground. People need to make wine correct. with it, and uh, the people who are making wine with it. Uh, I guess it's a tough place to stand out, so you got to make sure your shit's good.
1: When I was, I just want to, uh, you know, do a do a plug. When I was in a, when I was in Australia, yep, uh, and New Zealand, both of them were not anti Riesling because a lot of winemakers love Riesling, but they say it is such a tough sell.
0: I, I think it's a, st- a tough sell here too, but that yeah. doesn't take away from the fact that the Riesling I tasted was very good.
1: No, oh, I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying there Anyways, seems the, to be uh, the the pendulum is starting to swing back against Riesling. And that's that's unfortunate.
0: Yes, I, I would agree that it is an unfortunate thing, especially given how food friendly Riesling is. Yeah, especially so, Chinese. Yeah, so yeah, definitely um, <laughs> through my train of thought there. Anyways, I was going to say the cool thing about us and the cool thing about us doing this wrap up and the cool thing that we were both tasting separately was we both had a chance to cover a lot of ground. And just because a lot of the wines we tasted weren't listed here uh, doesn't mean that there weren't a lot of outstanding events. And I still want to give a a shout out to uh, Barb Tatarnik and the people who organized this event. It is still in my opinion, the premier event in Niagara, and if you need a reason to visit Niagara in the off-season, I say that in air quotes because I love going to Niagara in the winter when, when things are a little bit quieter, and you can spend a little bit more time at the wineries without having to fight with the, the tour buses. I mean, this, this is this is an event that you can plan your, your late winter, early spring around.
1: Yeah, it is, uh, it is a, a lot of fun, and the, the folks at Brock really really have uh, stepped up the game on, on Cuvée.
0: So we're looking forward to next year.
1: (laughs) Always looking forward to Cuvée. Always look forward to it.
0: Anyways, uh, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes, leave comments and uh, tell people about it. We certainly love to hear it. And uh, I mean, if you were at Cuvée, uh, let us know what your favorite memory was. You can comment on the uh, Facebook page or on our Twitters or anywhere else. I mean, You can phone Michael directly. He's pretty easy to find.
1: Scratch that itch to tell us what you thought of Cuvée. How about that? Does that help you, Andre? A little bit. He's Andre
0: Pru of AndreWineReview.ca. He's Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. And as always, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.